Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. We are in a a series that I, I don't know, every so often I feel like something is very much marking the days that we're living in. And it's one of the ways the Holy Spirit uses me as I see things in the Scripture that pertain to the moment that we're living in that will give us an understanding of how we should live. I think one of the greatest questions in this age and probably for the, the generation that we're in is, how should we be living Because there's so much tumult and disagreement, it's almost like you can't talk about anything without having equal agreement and equal disagreement. Well, we have an exception to that when we look at God's Word, if we believe it's true. A remarkable thing happens that demonstrates Jesus' Lordship in our life more than anything. It's when we adopt what the Bible says as our standard, as our truth, as our way of living. And when we do that, We will get along with everybody for the most part. But I have to say for the most part. Because when it comes to the Bible, the Bible is a sword that divides asunder soul and spirit. It means sometimes the way we feel and we think will be corrected when we hear the Scripture and we'll line up with the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit saw to the authorship of the Bible through the, the, the millennia that the Bible has been written and then put together for our use. So when God wants to get something across to us, the safest way is to look to what does the Scripture say. And the Bible says of itself, God's Word is forever settled in heaven, and He doesn't change His mind on anything. If there's anything we need to know how to live, it is going to be a settled Word that is absolute a truth that we can rely on, that we know when we obey God, we will have a certain outcome. The outcome God promises if we live under Jesus' lordship is a life under his direction, a life where he becomes our supply rather than the world that we're living in. He becomes our peace rather than the circumstances around us. He becomes our confidence because we put our faith in his word instead of the circumstances of everything going on. The world will continue to be in a tumult. There will be many forces that try to establish world peace, and they will not succeed. For there is one prince of peace. His name is Jesus. That is his title, one of his many titles, and he will come to establish that once he settles the fight. Because the real fight is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of Satan who operates through this world and the kingdom of God who operates in the unseen realm in heaven, but who is beginning to invade the seen realm. What's changing is God's presence is going to grow in the earth. Jesus said so. He said, when darkness increases, the light will become brighter. What I believe is the light's been here all along, but we suddenly open up our hearts and say, I'm going to be an example of God's love. I'm going to be an example of God's peace. I'm going to have his direction, and I'm not going to live without a confidence. I'm going to have a confidence in the decisions I'm making and the direction I'm going. The kingdom of God can give us that. The kingdom of this world will increasingly take that away. There will not be peace in the world. There will be peace if we're under Jesus' lordship and living in his kingdom. 
Uh, I said last week, we have a king, and that's a new way of thinking for Americans. Because America is too focused on everybody having a right to do everything their own way all the time. That only lends to chaos. When Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, it's because they invited the devil in who was the author of chaos and confusion. And, they, and then the enemy took over this world and he rules by chaos and confusion, by division and discord, and by bringing things into disarray. God's people are meant to bring love and order wherever they step in. And when you bring love and order, peace comes to whoever's in the situation. So I believe as much as the world's in chaos, the answer is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ living through the believer who will allow him to do something through them. If I was going to make a, a proclamation of God's determination over this hour, we as the body of Christ, as a church, have to learn this is not about us. We're not in a relationship with God to see what else can he do for us and give us to take care of us. This is about what can we do to give our lives to him to bring his will about in the earth. God doesn't like the chaos. He doesn't like the confusion. He doesn't like the discord. And he has the answer who lives inside of us as believers. When Jesus comes to live inside of us, everything that God desires to come into the earth is potentially on the inside. It's unlocked as we hear what the Bible has to say and we choose to agree with it. You can hear the Bible today and say, I don't agree with that, and you'll get no good out of it if you choose to do that. I pray nobody does that. Why? That would be crazy in this hour. I would say this. I, I say this. If you're, if you're sick, get all the help you can get. Go to the doctor. Take the medicine. Take your vitamins. Eat healthy. Exercise. Get whatever you can get, but believe God above all. And when I look to this world, I would say, get all the help you can get. And I would say, look to God first. Well, that's how he designed everything to work, that we would give him first place in everything. What lordship really means is, is letting him be first in every part of our life. When we do that, he can bless the rest. You've heard me say that for many years about our, our gifts and giving and our finances, but it's true of every area of life. Jesus wants to be our Lord, and he doesn't make the decision. We do. He becomes our Lord as we allow him into another part of our life. Some places it's easier to let God in than others. Why? If you get in a big enough mess in an area of your life, you'll invite him to be Lord. But when you think you've got it together, you know the answers and life is going the way you want, you kind of don't get so hot about inviting him in. Why? We're too territorial. You'll understand about the kingdom of God one, one great thing. You have to give up your territory for him to take it over. He doesn't come in and push his weight and push his way around, and neither do his children in this world. Now, we're going to look to the scriptures this morning, beginning in Luke 10, and I would say today is, is part four of this series. It's going to be, this is going to be a long series, but it's not going to feel drawn out. It's going to be charged with information for now. Something that I, I believe that we're going to become expert at around here is knowing what God is saying for us to do right now. Why? We want to keep up with what he's doing, and then we'll, we'll be all right. It's important to, to put our ear to what Jesus is saying and then decide, I'm just going to fall in place with that. I, I, I would say it this way. It's almost like stepping into a, a place of basic training. You're just going to say yes and do everything they say for a while. It would be really wise for us as believers to do that with God's word right now. 
Just say, I'm just going to say yes, and I'm going to do this. And at first we may feel awkward and not feel coordinated in trying to live for him, but we will become good at it. Why? It, it, God created a place in us to obey him. And when we do, we find life gets better, it gets richer, and we feel more confident. Well, this is Jesus speaking in Luke 10, 18. He says something astonishing to his disciples. Now, uh, we have to qualify for what Jesus is saying here. There's another trend in the American church that everybody gets everything no matter what, and that's not scriptural. We qualify for upgrades in our relationship with the Lord as we obey him. Salvation is a free gift. Everybody gets that for the asking, and I thank God for that. Heaven as our, our heavenly home is a free gift, and I'm thankful for that. But if we want to walk in authority while we're in this life, as Jesus declares here in Luke 10, we have to submit to him. Submit is a dirty word today, not just in the world, but in the church too. And it shouldn't be because submission to the king opens the doors in the kingdom in every area of life. As we yield to him, he reads our hearts. It's not what people think, it's what the master knows. And he knows our heart, and he'll reward us according to our heart, particularly one important thing, and that's the word authority. With everything going on around us that, that seems to insert chaos and confusion and trouble and, and everything else into the mix, we have the authority say, no, 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 you're not getting in this cake mix. You're not going to be in my house. You're not going to be in my head. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to yield to the confusion. I'm going to have clear direction moving forward. Now, Luke 10, 19, Jesus said to his disciples, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Well, we think we don't need that. We don't have many of those around here. He's talking about natural problems. He's talking about the created realm. Anything in this world giving the disciple of the Lord Jesus trouble, we have authority to stop the trouble. That doesn't mean we jump in and, and stomp, stomp on a bunch of things like you would a scorpion. It means we step out and know how to put the enemy under our foot by saying, in Jesus' name, this will not happen to me. And, and when we know why we can, we're, we've chosen to be his disciple. What does that mean? We line up with what the scriptures say so that we get the benefit. Today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to loose in us as a congregation an upgrade in our understanding that will give us an upgrade in our relationship. Jesus wants everybody to choose to be his disciple. And the more we do, the more we will walk in this authority. If you're reading King James, it'll say power, but it's the word exousia, which means authority. It's a direct translation of the word authority. Why would we need authority? Because Jesus said, I'm giving you all authority over this natural realm. So what do we do? We start to say from our mouth how we want things to turn out based on what we know of the Bible. We have to know what the Bible says. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That means anything that the devil is up to. That means anything that people are doing against God, why? Pe people think they're doing their own thing, but when it's anarchy and discord and trouble, it's the devil's thing. God's not in it, the devil's in it. 
So what, what he's telling us, what Jesus is telling us, if we live as his disciple, we can stop some things that are going wrong through prayer and, and living in a way that honors him. See, we think little of what it means to live for the Lord, but I want to expand your thinking. The more each Christian chooses to submit to the Lordship of Christ, the more it puts darkness at bay. There is a corporate anointing that comes as a result of God's people living in a way that honors the master that holds darkness back. Why is darkness prevailing right now? Because many Christians have not let Jesus be Lord of much of anything. That's the truth of the matter. There will be some things today that, that I say that are big picture truths. You say, oh, and, and, and the question is this, when it hurts a little bit or it might seem appropriate, say, how does that affect me? Where am I in that mix? Why? Because thing, the darkness prevails only when light is under the bed in, in the scripture, when light is hidden, when a shade is put on the light. So if we are not living in a way that we are full of Christ Jesus all the time, darkness will press in and God's people will feel like they're at the center of oppression and even beginning to be persecuted. If you don't know that's happening, I want to warn you, that's happening in the earth. The, the Jewish Old Testament church is experiencing it and believers are experiencing it too. And we're being told, be careful, be quiet what you say. When the word says we better say God's will. Why? Saying God's will and living in God's will pushes back the darkness. Nobody really wants it if they knew what was going on. If everybody knew what would happen when darkness increases, nobody would want it. But few people really walk with the Holy Spirit in a way to know what's happening. We're going to see in the scripture today what's happening. It's a pattern that Jesus warns us about in the scripture, but it was seen in the Old Testament church, and I'm going to use that story at the end for you to understand what's happening and how we fit. Now, he said, over all the power, that means dynamic power of the enemy. That means anything the enemy of God is trying to do to set your life back, you have authority if you are living for Jesus. That means if you pray and you don't see it change, you must ask Jesus, what's the problem? And it won't be his problem. I'll, I'll give you a heads up. It will always be your problem. Why? He is looking to be Lord of something in your life. This season is not about first, what can God do for you? It's first, what can you do for God? And then you'll see his truth come to pass in your life. Rather than being an entitlement situation, we're in an honoring kingdom. When we honor the king with what he wants, we get what he has to give. And it becomes a part of our life here rather than waiting until we're in heaven. I think the earth needs all of heaven to invade that can possibly come in about now. This is a, a, about de delegated authority. He says, and nothing will by any means hurt you. Nothing in the natural realm, nothing in, in the spiritual realm. Nothing in hell, nothing in earth, nothing can harm you. Well, I want to know we're living like that. I want the confidence to know God's got this because he's got us. I hear a lot of preachers saying, oh, don't worry, God's got this. They're not quite right. God has this only when God has us. And that's to the degree he has this. If we want him to have our future, we're going to give him our right now. And when we give him our right now, he has hold on the future. Why? The Holy Spirit is God with us in the moment. Whenever we break ties with God in the moment, our future is jeopardized. 
because the Holy Spirit is looking out for our future from this moment. He doesn't care about the past. He doesn't judge us by the past. He's not tied to the past. He's tied to God's plan for the future, and he wants us to keep walking forward in it where we're encouraged and we become lighter and brighter examples of Christ Jesus rather than oppressed and, and, and persecuted. Now, we're going to look at Matthew 21, whereas again, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is walking with the disciples, and he went to a fig tree to get some figs, and there was no fruit on it, and he cursed the fig tree, and it died by the next morning. Oh, pastor, why are you using that example? Because it's about lordship. Jesus was there at the creation, and the fig tree was supposed to have figs. Why? The master walked up to look for fruit. And we read in the Bible, it says, but it wasn't even time for the fig tree to have any fruit on it, but Jesus went to get some anyway. See, many people would say of this hour, God shouldn't expect much. We've just come through a crisis or we're in the middle of an international worldwide pandemic. Surely God won't expect anything. Do not kid yourself. He has come into the church looking for is the fruit of my word in my people. And many people are, are making every excuse to not be in fellowship. And they are sadly mistaken because God helped them when Jesus finds no figs. This is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. Several things are happening. Jesus is speaking of a new covenant coming. The fig tree represents Israel first in the scripture. And Jesus is showing them the future. He's saying, I came to the Old Testament church, the Jews, and they don't recognize me as Savior or Lord, and they offer no fruit of repentance in my presence. So I am <clears throat> put, putting them aside. He said, curse the fig tree. What did he do? He bypassed them in the covenant. He said, I will establish a new covenant for my church, and it will not be about them. It will be about the new church, the New Testament church. And the Jews were set aside to receive Jesus as Savior later, and we were grafted into the olive tree, which is the master picture of God's plan in the earth. Why was the fig tree cursed? It was, it was out of season. We want to think as believers that when we're down or we're upset or something, when Jesus comes calling, he will just say, I I'm merciful, it's okay, things are wrong in your life. I would recognize what moment it is. The fig tree was fine until Jesus came looking. And I will tell you something about now. He's looking. He's looking for who remained faithful through all of the muck. Who is honoring him looking into the future? Who is eking out a little bit of something even when times are tough for the master? It may be that our, our ministry and our, our, our ability to help other people is affected a little bit, but it, did, it wasn't put a stop to. Why? This world doesn't dictate what we do for the master. Heaven does. And heaven has not run out of anointing or power or supply or direction. Heaven is burgeoning with it, waiting for people to hear what it is the master wants. Why? That's where the power of God will be. That's where the authority will be. He was letting people know in, in both the Old Testament and New Testament church, if we're not living for the master and we're not producing what he wants, our life is not counting for anything in the kingdom. It was a picture of that tree not fitting into the plan of God, not fitting into the kingdom of God. I'm thankful that it was a tree only and not a human being Jesus did this with. 
but it is something we should be aware of. Why? We're to bear fruit of a, a relationship with the Lord Jesus or show the produce. The first thing being we love God with all of our heart and we love people and treat people well. If we're, we don't have that going all the time, we're a fig tree in trouble. Why? That's the most basic thing God expects all the time. But what is he looking for really? He's looking for a determination in our hearts to be what he needs us to be in the season it is in his plan instead of the season we think it is in our life. God's plan is why we're here, not our individuality and our individual expression in life. Now, this is Matthew 21. Jesus was speaking to a group here. He answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. In other words, you'll not put a stop to things that are unfruitful. Not only that, why we're supposed to speak to our life. And where there's no fruit, say, I will no longer give time to this part of my life. If it's not blessing God, it's not blessing God. If it's not blessing God, it's going to get you in trouble. Just tell you. Why, we're to line up with being in his kingdom. What does he do? He causes fruit to be produced in everything. Something that will please God in every part of our life. But also, if you say unto this mountain, they're standing in front of a mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. Jesus is talking to disciples again, right after the fig tree incident, and he said, that is discipleship gone wrong. Why? There's no discipleship. There's no lordship. There's no fruit on the tree. That's the wrong example. Then Jesus said, here's the right example. If there's a mountain in your way, you'll speak to the mountain and it will be cast into the sea. That's the authority he has given us. A mountain for them was a, was a difficult thing to work around, to live around. So he's telling you when something gets in your way in pleasing the master, the Lord Jesus, you can command it to get out of the way. That doesn't mean you get mad at people, command them out of your life. No, that means when you know the enemy is working against you living for Jesus, you can stop the enemy and you can command that stronghold to get out of your way. But it's only for disciples. It only We can only pray that way and see change if we've let Jesus have change in our heart. Our relationship with him is meant to be progressive. And the authority that we have is meant to progress with our relationship. We grow in authority as we allow Jesus' lordship to increase in our life. That means we make him first in everything. And then some things, when you, you make him first, he'll say, enough of this. I don't want to be in this as first. You've got something that doesn't line up with God's word in your life, and you invite Jesus in, he's going to let you know, I'm taking this out of your life because I don't want to live in it. And we call that deliverance in the scripture, where he helps us be more like he wants us to be. Why, we're his house. We've got to get used to being his house, and he, he likes his house to be a certain way. Now, Regarding all things as representing Christ, he says in, in verse 22, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now I'll tell you something about the age we're in. The time has come to walk in this truth. But when we start praying and believing and saying and it isn't happening, we have a lordship problem. I want to be blunt and direct and unmistaken in what I'm saying today. When our prayers are not answered regarding the, the power and authority in our life and using God's authority to, to make things right, 
We've got to step back and say, Jesus, what am I doing that isn't pleasing to you? What part of my life can I surrender? I'll tell you, I've never yet prayed that once that he didn't tell me something. So you should expect there to be something. I'm going to tell you a secret. If you don't hear the Holy Spirit tell you what it is, ask your spouse or a person that lives with you. Start there. Then kind of work your way down through your close acquaintances. Is there anything you see in my life where I could better honor the Lord Jesus? And then tell him to be honest. Why, most people won't want to be honest with you either. Even your spouse will be like, um, you sure you want me to, you sure you want me to do that? Why? That's one of the most truthful moments in our life. Why we're, we're, we're talking about our Lord and there's a three-way conversation. The way to settle a dispute between two is get somebody to intervene. That's the person of the Lord Jesus. That's knowing what the scriptures say and he'll settle the matter. That's why we say we look to the scripture to know what God thinks about everything. Now, he was speaking to a crowd and among the crowd were Pharisees and they didn't like what they were hearing. They didn't like that God wasn't accepting them, that they weren't wonderful. These were people that were religious, but they didn't recognize Jesus, and it torqued them off. Understand something will happen if you start moving into increasing lordship. People that don't want that in their life aren't going to like you as much. They're not going to agree with you. People that don't know Jesus the way you are learning to know him will not agree, and it will just make them mad. Why? It's an individual work of the heart Jesus has got to do on them. So not everybody's going to walk with you into this place of you know, increased authority. Many will not. But when they have a problem they can't solve, you'll be the one they call. You can count on that in the future. Why? There, there will be an increase of people in the world turning to those who are walking in the anointing of God for the answers that they seek. Watch it come to pass. Why? God's going to get the glory in the end. Why? That's what he's all about. He's going to say, look, I'm real, guys. Now... Jesus rewards obedience with this kingdom authority. It's, it's a reward for obeying him. This is uh, verse 28. I'm just kind of following this passage along. I'm not putting together scriptures, not in sequence. I want you to see that. What do you think about this? Uh, Jesus is speaking here. He said, a certain man had two sons, and he came to the first, and he said, son, go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. Why, Jesus was having this experience with the Jews. He's going to torque them off right here, okay? But it's also a lesson to us, okay? Uh, I will not, but afterward, he repented and he went. So we've got the first son that said, no, Dad, I'm not doing it. Go do your own work. Sounds like an attitude sometimes you, you hear when you, you're raising children, but Mom, that's your job. But, you know, Dad, you need to go mow the grass. I, I, I've got other things I want to do. And there's this little attitude thing. But he repented, and he went. And he came to the second. The father came to the second and said the same thing. But the second son answered and said, I'll go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of them did the will of his father? Jesus is saying. They said to him, the first. And Jesus said to them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. He was pointing at the value of repentance. He was pointing to us catching ourselves in disobedience when he wants something from us. Remember the fig tree had just happened. They were seeing this. Now they're hearing an example. And Jesus is talking about two branches of his family now. 
the first son being the Jews where Jesus came to be the Savior, like he came to the fig tree looking for fruit, and they wouldn't be a part of his kingdom. So they're getting madder by the moment as Jesus is talking. They're seeing a dead tree, and now they're being told they don't qualify. That should be a message for Christians in this hour to make sure we're lining up with what God wants out of our life. Why? The, the time of, of, of him looking for something from us has come. A time when, when the world will say, shut up, God's saying, don't you be quiet. Demonstrate Jesus. Be, be all about Jesus now. The second son... rejected, looked good on the surface, was in Sunday morning service and said, I want to do that, but a week later hadn't done anything. Sometimes we, we think of, of the Father's love in a mistaken way. This is another application of the Father's love. He would rather us be the son that was stubborn at the beginning but repented and recognized the error of our way, down to the point of no matter how messed up our life is, he will forgive it. And he said, those that choose forgiveness, even though they were in a, a terrible life mess, are going to get into the kingdom of God. He's not talking about heaven here, because heaven isn't earned. It's a free gift. He's talking about a relationship with God in this life. If we keep putting God off, if we keep making promises we don't keep, if we keep living for ourselves instead of living for the master, I'm sure that son had an excuse by the time the dad came to him again and say, hey, your brother's out there. Are you going? Well, Dad, you know, I was just too busy. Just chill, Dad. It'll be. I kind of read between the lines here. I think that father wasn't going to be too chill about it. All right. Why? Jesus pointing out an example for us to learn from. Which one will we be? And which one did right had repentance at the beginning of right? We don't just slide into right. Like, oh, I heard pastor's message. No, we search our hearts. What has stopped me up until now? It's not that we didn't know Jesus had an expectation. If you've been here in three services, you've learned that much. He has an expectation in our life. He gives what he gives for free. Then he says, what will we do for him? You know, that's the relationship. Now, I, I want to take this to a, another level, and I'm thankful I have plenty of time. I want to go to Haggai chapter 1 and 2. It's an Old Testament picture of what Jesus is talking about. It's a broader picture in that it's a picture of Old Testament church under government and a government change, a change of natural authority, a change in who's making the decisions, a change between two kings, two administrations from different countries serving different gods, neither one a Christian, but one, the, the first Cyrus, was a Persian, he was from Iran, and he was dominating the people of God in the land of what we know as Israel now, the people of God. And he was the king, he was the legal king. So God's people were under a foreign king because they didn't have a king of their own, for one thing. And they were oppressed. But the first king, King Cyrus, had made a decree, I see God moving in these Israelis, or we'll say Old Testament Christians. I see God's favor on their life. So he made a decree that Iran was going to pay for, that the kingdom was going to pay for the temple to be built at Jerusalem. 
Many of the prophets, including Isaiah, were prophesying about this. Hosea, Haggai, a number of them were prophesying. They were all saying, God is building his house in Jerusalem, and it will be coming to pass. And all the people are going, how are we going to do that? We don't have the power and ability to do that. And out of the blue, God raised up a king for them that would allow them to begin building the house. It's kind of what we've experienced in our nation. There was favor for Christians under that administration. So, well, pastor, you're getting political. We live in days where you need to understand what the Bible says about it or you will make wrong allegiances. See, if we're going to give Jesus lordship, we need to know what the Bible says about it. So that's what I'm bringing today. Then it's up to you to make, make decisions for yourself. But there was this king, and they began, uh, began a, a process of, of getting ready to build, and then the king went out. They got a new king. The new king was not Persian. He was a Mede. The new king was named Darius. Darius wasn't real happy about the gold and the silver going to the temple. He wasn't real happy about prospering the people of God over his native land. He would rather take money from one and give it to the other and do what he thought was fair trade among the people. That's the hallmark of oppression, if you didn't know. Well, God's people started to get in an uproar, and Haggai is right in the middle of this mess between two administrations and two kingdoms. And the people of God are wanting to know, what does God think of this? What's God going to do to rescue us? And Haggai starts out with a tough word. He basically says, here's the word of the Lord. Where have you been under the old king? You've been sealed up in your houses. It literally says that. You've been tending to your own needs and fortifying your own house and looking for your own future and let God's house wait. Put it off to another day. Now, I'm not saying the people of God willingly ran into that. Uh, we were pointed in that direction. Remember me saying at the very beginning, there's something wrong and there's to be a pushback. Why? It was coming against the plan of God, not just a, a plan for man. I believe in being safe. I believe in being cautious. You heard us implement rules and guidelines here that were the right thing to do. But nobody should separate from fellowship. Why? The Bible commands us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So when I see that, I say, that's God's word. It's my job to uphold God's word or God's people get in trouble because we didn't. So what's happened now, there's a whole section of believers not believing much of anything. Why, you get apart from, from the house that you come to worship in, your faith will suffer as a result. And we learn to recognize that and we honor God by doing what he said, give him the first of the week. We give it to him. That's why we come together. But there was this situation in the land and God had a plan but man had to submit to what God wanted to get the blessing of God because they had not obeyed. I think the, the, the body of Christ had this great opportunity to roll forward with great plans for God in the earth, and most people settled back. Why, it was not convenient. Well, now we'll learn what's not convenient, I think. Now, I'll just uh, share a bit. He says, consider your ways. In other words, go inward. When there's trouble on the outside, we go inward. We say, God, what's my place? What's my part? What do I need to be doing? 
And we consider what it is we're doing for him. And I want you to, to have an experience this week and let, let Jesus visit you as the fig tree, okay? He's not going to curse you. Why, that was the old covenant. We're in a new covenant, but what will he do? He'll shake the tree. And if no figs fall out, we know, uh-oh, it's time for me to start doing something for the master. Why? And what is that? That's an uncomfortable moment to change our future for the good. Any, any of you ever... Uh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm old-timey. Anybody but me ever get a spanking when you were a kid? I mean, now you almost can't talk about that, but, you know, uh, it was a moment of truth. It was a moment to make a decision. And, and, and commonly, what would be said to me, are, are you still going to be stubborn after this? And I want to say, yes. But I say, oh, no. <laughs> maybe it would be a little lighter punishment. Let's have that moment of truth with God. Why, he's not, out to, he's not out to spank us. He's out to get us to go and admit we need to make a change. Admit that we can do something that will be pleasing to him, that will make a difference for people. It's pretty easy to find things like that right now. Now, he said, consider your ways. You've been so busy building your own personal kingdoms. You've neglected the work of God's kingdom, not built up the house of the Lord. Consider your ways. Whether you recognize it or not, I've lived long enough and I've been preaching long enough. And you know, I was at 11 years old, gave my life to the Lord Jesus. I'm nearly 60. A long time I've been listening to what he has to say for his church, and I recognize something. He wants his way. Why? If we give him his way, our way becomes perfect, is what the Bible says. So I've learned when, when there's imperfect in my way, I need to present myself to him again and say, Lord, what can I do about this? And sometimes it takes a little while for something to change, but it changes. Now, he then decrees a penalty. Remember, this is Old Testament church. I'm thankful we have a new covenant. That means Jesus sees us ready to forgive in a moment. He's not going to say, you didn't do what you were supposed to last week, so <laughs> let's take your name off the list. He's not doing that. What's he doing? He's saying, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, whatever. Hear me and make a change. That's what it means to let Jesus be Lord. Otherwise, when, when we're stubborn about it, he's not Lord of that place in our life. He said, you have sown much and bring in little. They went out and planted everything and the earth dried up. That's scary. He that earns wages earns wages to put it into a bag or a pocket with holes. In other words, those that were making money were being taxed and it was all going away from them. The plan of man wasn't the plan of God and God said, I'm not going to bless the plan of man. I have a plan of my own. See, under one king, people were, Christians were lazy under one administration. I'll just say it how it is. Churches are less full than they used to be because people are lazy not putting the Lord first. I mean, come think of it. I know everybody here work. You work. We have a great work ethic. I believe we live to honor the Lord, but it's a challenge to put him first. Why? It is the challenge of this generation because it's a key to walking in authority. It's a key to know I'm doing right by God. He's going to do right by me when I pray. And that's simply what this means. But there, there was a penalty. He said, you, you put a lot of effort in, but you're not getting much return. Without God, God's intervention, that's the economy we face. Why? I look in the Bible, I say, here's what's coming. It's apparent to me. 
Why? If you study it long enough and listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying, you'll go, oh, that, that's really describing the situation we're in. Now, he said again and again, consider your ways. What does that mean? We can individually change our future by living in the kingdom of God and not be subject to so much trouble. Why? They didn't have an out. In the Old Testament, when you blew it, you saw the judgment. Jesus represents mercy. So we have Jesus as an intercessor on the mercy seat saying, if you'll come to me, I'll make amends with the Father. Just change your ways. Consider your ways. Make a change. I'm going to tell you, this series will be worthless to you unless you choose to change your ways in some things. Then it becomes incredibly valuable because your confidence in God will grow and you'll recognize there's a higher authority over you that has you in the palm of his hand regardless of what's happening. Now, thus saith the Lord of hosts again, he says, consider your ways. Go up and build the house. He's talking about his house. He's telling them how to qualify for God's future instead of man's plan. Man's plan was you're going to not have much return where you sow. There's not going to be a harvest. And what money goes into your pocket is going to go through holes that you can't control. Somebody else put them in the pocket. Well, that's always man's plan to distribute wealth and do things man's way without God. What? That's not God's plan. God has a thing about property. He has a thing about money. He has a thing about power. He has a thing about authority. And when people try to mess with that, he says, oh, no, no. It's not going to work that way. So for the people of God, we have to recognize our future is not tied to this world and this economy unless we don't break ties to its lordship. I used an example some weeks ago. You know, what, what would happen if it was Monday morning and it snowed a little bit? I bet everybody gets up 10 minutes earlier to clear the vehicle and get to work on time. Why on Sunday, if God is our God and Jesus is our Lord, do we not do the same thing and maybe give it an extra five minutes? It's, it's evidence of the kind of thinking that comes in where we have approached God's plan as supplemental to our plan instead of essential to our plan. So we want to change our way of thinking and recognize that that, that way of thinking has come in and it leads to chaos. And it's up to us individually to let God have his way. Well, thankfully, we're about done. This story ends well, or I would not have chosen it, all right? God uses a, a judgment as a means to glory. And understand something. He comes and deals with our hearts like he is in this picture with the Old Testament church. And he's saying, consider your ways, consider your ways, consider your ways. Why? Repentance stops us from getting the bad side of judgment. I don't know how many were as artful as I was at this, but when I got in trouble, if I could get to mom and dad before they found out from somebody else, it was a lot better for me, especially if something happened at school. Dad was the president of the school board throughout almost my entire education. So it was very important that I break from class, go to the phone and call before they got a call. I say, Pastor, I was a kid. A high-energy high kid and didn't always do everything right, and neither did you, okay? But because of who my father was, I always got caught because you weren't supposed to do that. It was like being the preacher's kid. It was the board president's kid. Now, I use that example because we can recognize what time it is. God's kind of raising the, the flag saying, look, kids, what kind of future do you want? 
And we can consider our ways, and as we yield to him, we're ensuring that our future is more in line with the kingdom of God. Here's what he says would happen. A, A repentance came and a realignment with God. He said, and I will shake all nations. That's happening again. The, the, the big word on the, the news will be about global reset and a whole bunch of other things that at first you'll hear them and think, I can't believe this is happening. We should be surprised at nothing because the Bible tells us all about it. I will shake all nations. So who's doing the shake up? God is. Why did he allow us to come to this point? Because we've been sitting back, not building the kingdom the way he told us to. Not honoring him, putting him first. So what do we do? I just accept it and make adjustments. It's all right. I need to understand something about the time we're in. You will be forced to make some adjustments. I would choose the ones God ordains first. The others that that come will be easier on you. Why? We want to come under God's authority first. And the desire of all nations shall come. Do you know what that is? The desire of all nations is a great manifestation of the love of God in the earth that will sweep the earth and cause people in droves to run to altars to be saved, will cause sick to be healed when they walk by the house of a believer, that will cause people in, in the grocery store to pray and they have extra money because somebody says, I believe I'm supposed to help you out today. You'd be surprised what a, a little bit of love even in this adverse conditions will do to draw people to Jesus. Doesn't take doesn't take near as much as it used to to get somebody's attention with something good. And the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory. What's he saying? He's going to move through his church. What's he saying now? He's going to move through his church again. And if we line up with what he wants to do in his kingdom, we become a part of what the king is doing. Understand, as the world grows dark, King Jesus is saying, I'm not having this. Darkness is not going to override the earth so long as there is a New Testament church. So long as the people of the New Testament church rise up and say, I'm here to be a light. I'm not here to be snuffed out. I'm not here to be silenced. I am here to demonstrate the love of God to the world, and I'm going to be really good at it, and God's going to bless it and anoint it, and there will be fruit in my life. You wonder what the fruit is he's looking for? It's your interaction with other people that bring them into the kingdom. It's your being willing to put yourself out there for the good of someone else. And as a person individually to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. So when someone comes to you, there is some love, there is some peace, there is some long suffering, meaning you will put up with somebody's problem for a while to help them. There will be innumerable kinds of things that people can draw on you. Understand when the world's being shaken, what will happen to Christians? He's shaking the fig tree. He's going to send people into your life where you have to decide, am I going to give them access to the kingdom of God or am I going to, I'm too busy for that. I don't know what to tell you, so I'm not going to tell you anything. You tell them something encouraging. Love is a universal, easy language. It doesn't take much to express it. You can do it with a facial expression. And it says compassion and it says I care. It says I'll be here for you. Then you might scramble to somebody that knows some scripture and ask them what should you do next. And they will tell you if you don't know. That's what it's come down to. And God's people in the Old Testament here, they weren't living for the king, they were living for themselves. When judgment comes, it's always for the same reason in the body of Christ. The king wants something. And the very time the king is looking for fruit, 
in our lives, the nations of the earth are looking for solutions. They'll go the way of man, Scripture says so, but we're to go the way of the king. We're to pay attention to what he's saying. He then says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Why would he say that? If we are living for him, he's got what it takes to live while we're here. That should be kind of scary. Why? Oh, our way of making it may be a little different than it is right now. But he's saying, look, it's all, why? God's claiming that it's his. So what can we do? We begin to pray. God, give me new sources of income. Give me another kind of business. Give me a way to live in a way I'm not dependent on a lineup of other people that are not going to obey you. Let me live in a way that I can honor you and do more for your kingdom. We talked about this uh, last Sunday when the altar was opened and, and we were praying for houses and cars and jobs and opportunities. What was that about? There, there's, there's a seed you sow and it is from the heart says, God, my intention is to live more for you and do more for you. You're going to give me an increased independence from this world, and I'm going to allow you to depend on me more. See, when we're independent from the world, the only way we get it is that he gets to depend on us. That's what breaks the power of this world and the stronghold. So we say, I don't belong to this world. I belong to the Lord Jesus. He's my master. This world is not my Lord take a little while to absorb that kind of thinking. He says, the, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord, and the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. What's he telling them? What God was up to then in their mess was going to give God more glory and be better for the people than anything they had seen in history. I'm here to tell you he's saying it again. He'll do it again. And if we get on the same page with God, the glory in his house and the glory in his church will be something that is seen that's never been seen before, what the plan of God is and the good of God is for his people. It'll be as though a light shined out of the darkness shed again, says the Spirit of the Lord, first to reveal and to you what to consider in the consideration of your ways. Then the light will look forward before you and point out the path of God in your life and it will be as a shining light going before you every step of the day. Every time you step forward there's going to be a, a beam of light showing you what to do and you will know the mind and will of the master. So listen in your heart to what the Spirit of the Lord would say and things will change as you roll forward from this moment this very day and you'll begin to walk in a divine kind of life rather Rather than the life that the earth has that is dying and diminishing, you will walk in a new kind and a more abundant life. For progressive shall be the way of the disciple in this hour to make progress in the sight of God for the plan and will of God to be done in the whole earth. For surely the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Amen. See, that's what the Holy Spirit would say. Why? Well, sometimes I just can't get it out fast enough. So what's he do? He just wants to take over and say, all right, Doug, time's up. <laughs> so he just sums it up like that. That's just the Holy Spirit saying, hey, move out of the way, old Doug, and let me say it my way. That's his way. Why? He wants us to be a part of something great and not think, oh, everything's going to get worse and uglier. It will for some. If that starts to happen in your life, consider, I'm just going to tell you, consider your ways. Sorry, Jesus, what do you, what do you want from me? The wisest question we can ask is, Lord, what do you want from me? How can I make a difference in someone else's life? How can I learn to be more like you? And like I said, if you'll do it for the preacher, trust me, he'll do it for everybody. And it's a question we should keep asking. 
I'm going to pray as we close, and uh, uh, Pastor Josh and Rihanna are going to come and be in the altar today for anyone who wants prayer for any reason. If you want to know more about Jesus or accept him as your Savior, it's a free gift. He gives us a free gift. It puts us on a journey to walk with him and learn about him. And when he's Savior, it means his spirit lives on the inside of us. And where we've tried to be loving and kind on our own, all of a sudden now we have help. He doesn't ask us to do something that he won't equip us to do. So his Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us to help us recognize opportunities, to help us know how to make a difference in our own simple way, to listen to him and how to upgrade our, our life in a way that it's pleasing to him and we know it. When I tell you something about your faith, when you're pleasing God, you know it and your faith is full and you feel more confident and you feel more faithful when you pray. That's why I said when you pray, be believing first. We put ourselves, we line ourselves up to believe by doing some things that please him. It pleases him to become our savior. It pleases him tremendously as we allow him to become our Lord. And that is a lifetime experience. We keep learning that. Today, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is the person of God to live inside you all the time. And there's a greater measure. The greater measure causes you to have a language unto God that nothing in this earth and nothing from hell can intervene and stop your prayer. It's a perfect prayer language. And the Holy Spirit will become your greatest problem solver, your greatest helper into the future. It's just a progression in your relationship with God to say, I want something more. I want everything that he has. The Holy Spirit comes to fill an individual, especially when we make a decision. I want Jesus to become more my Lord. When we have areas that are impossible to give to him, that we have tried and we have not succeeded, the Holy Spirit helps us succeed and surrender. He helps us consider our ways. He helps us recognize what is important to God, and we choose to accept it. There's something wonderful when you listen to the king, you recognize he is decreeing this for my good. And if I do what he says, it'll be better for me all around. Well, that's who we serve. I want to say today, too, that expect this year as year, this year progresses. If you're standing for healing in your physical body, believe this year that you will receive it. As you begin to line up with the Lordship of Jesus, watch your healthfulness increase. As you listen for the Lordship of Jesus, listen for him to give you counsel in how to do that. Why? We do some things on our own, and then he meets us where we can't, and he makes the difference. Wherever you give yourself more to the Lord Jesus, I keep mentioning businesses and jobs because there's a whole lot on the horizon coming for the body of Christ and the, the, the thinking of economy and earning a living. Trust God to show you where your best fit is and be ready to make some adjustments. This you'll know. He'll never give you a new job that will take you away from your old Lord. He will never remove you from fellowship. He will never remove you from his house on the first of the week. He's not in that. Say, so, well, pastor, I believe you. Go ahead and believe that. You're believing wrong. Why? I learned that the hard way. A lot of, lot of jobs require you to start out on weekends. I'd keep looking if I was you. Why? This would not be a time to pull back from God. That's what they did in, in Haggai's day. and He had to point out, look. If we're going to get God's best, we're going to give him our first, and he'll bless the rest. If you will, stand to your feet. I want to pray a blessing over you as a congregation. Josh and Rihanna, you can come. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for every person in this house determined, Lord Jesus, to live for you. Father, thank you for letting us see there's great benefit to yielding to you and being the light of the world like you are. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing to us what we need to do as we consider our ways. You'll make it so easy to know, and the people around us will help us make right decisions. Father, I call this body anointed to help one another in the discipleship ministry. Father, when we ask our spouse or someone near, what do you see in my life that I could do better for Jesus, we should expect to hear an answer. We should recognize you are helping the people who love us most to speak into our future by pointing out what should be different. Now, Father, I thank you for a tenderness coming into every house, a sensitivity coming into every house that's born of your Holy Spirit. Father, that the counsel of the Spirit of God himself come into our lives to show us the way that we can walk in it. Father, we covenant together to build one another up and never tear each other down. We covenant together to walk in the word and will of God so that we are an encouragement to everyone around us. Father, we are in covenant with you, not just for what we can get. You have already done everything for us. We are in a covenant that now, sir, is all about you. And what can we do to please you? And as we please you, Lord Jesus, I pronounce over this house, great shall be God's glory in each person. Great shall be God's glory in this house. And every family, family that participates, every person that's a part, shall be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.